0: That would uh, drive and uh, I tell you what, if you're an adrenaline junkie like I am, if you like, you know, parasailing or skydiving, things like that, then you have the right temperament to be a behind the wheel instructor. Because there is nothing better, there is nothing better than sitting in the passenger seat when a 14-year-old girl that's had her driver's permit all of three days gets to merge onto the interstate for the very first time and she's got to get that car from zero to 70 and then kind of snuggle right up in between two semis. That is a lot of fun. I tell you what, that is a lot of fun. And you know, I behind the wheel there, uh, sitting in the passenger seat, I have a brake. I have a brake over here on my side. And I would not do the job if I did not have the brake. Because, uh, well, I wouldn't be here anymore if I didn't have the brake. The brake has literally, I don't know how many times you guys have been in a life or death situation, but the brake has literally saved my life a number of times. Uh, We're sitting in an intersection and uh, they're going to be pulling out making a right hand turn into traffic and they're looking both ways and they're looking both ways and I'm watching you know several cars coming at us 45 miles an hour and they just kind of look and then they step on the gas and start to turn and I slam on the brake and the cars go by you know I say you see those cars? Oh, yeah, you know, say, so, hey, all right. So, um, so I get to drive with these guys. I get to drive with these guys. And we put, uh, we put, uh, three kids in the car and meet. And so one in the driver's seat, couple in the back seat. I'm over here. And, uh, we get to spend a lot of time together. We would spend 18 hours in the car together. 18 hours. And the average, the average household in America, uh, the family spends about 37 minutes a day together. Uh, and that's kind of broken up. They'll spend maybe 10 minutes together in the morning and 10 minutes together after school and, you know, five minutes or so at bedtime, maybe 10 minutes at dinner or whatever. It's kind of broke up. But I get to spend 18 hours. You get to spend 18 hours with these teenagers uh, while we were driving around. And the first few drives, the first few drives, is a lot of Steve giving instruction. Steve, you know, okay, use your turn signal. This is how you parallel park. You know, it's a stale green light, so anticipate that it's going to be turning yellow. And lots of instruction, lots of instruction. But after a while, you have to stop giving instruction and find out if they can drive or not, right? And so there's a lot of just... And after enough, they start to talk. And then I get to sit there and listen to what these teenagers are talking about. And the reality is there's times that they would enter into conversations that uh, um, I'd be really too embarrassed to share with you what they were talking about. But if you can imagine, they talked about it. They talked about in the car. Had a seventeen-year-old girl that uh, she had a twenty-year-old boyfriend, and uh, mom was okay. They on the weekends they would go off together and spend little getaways together, you know. And uh, she was a junior in high school, and um, he had a girl. Had a girl that uh, a different, totally different girl. And um, she would often wear a t-shirt when she was driving, and and she had taken a sharpie and she had drawn a picture. She had drawn a picture on her arm, and every time I get in the car, I'd look over, and and the picture that she had drawn in her arm it, it was a rated X picture that was on her arm. You know, I'm I'm like, who's letting these kids out of their house, right? And uh, it was crazy. It was crazy. They would they would talk about things that would just if I were to tell you what they were, they would make you blush. And I just kind of sit there and, and I would listen and I would listen and I would listen and and uh, you know I drive a school bus too and. Um, uh, sometimes the kids get on the on the bus, and, and uh, it's clear that these kids have just gotten in a big fight with their parent, and they get in, and then they'll tell me, you know, they'll be like, oh, they, you know, that so and so, and they'll use all the words and expl- expletives, and and they'll describe their parent, and things like that, and and you just and and by the, the time you kind of process all of this information, you're going, they 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 do life, they talk. Openly about things, they talk openly about things I have kids I have boys get in the car and uh, and uh, you know they 'll be talking in the back and they 'll talk about gender shaming one another and how boys get in the car, and they have makeup full. Full makeup on, and and their hair is long and curly, and 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 then they'll they'll fight because one of them is gender shaming the other one, and you're hurting my and it's kind of, and I'm processing all of this information, and and as I'm taking all of this in, there's just this part of me that's going, man, I don't know you, I don't I don't get you, I'm I'm really not even sure if I like you, you know, and I'm this. Is, it's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy what's, what's coming in. One of the greatest tragedies of being a longtime Christian is that we become more insulated from the world. Yet we are called to love and reach out to people that are far away from God insulation you got that wire that runs through there and then there's that rubber comp- composite material that is that is around that wire and and you know there's electricity inside that wire and that insulation is there so that you know you you don't get shocked you don't get touched it's there to protect uh, the inner part from the from the outer part and Sometimes the longer you're a Christian, the thicker that insulation gets. And there's this part that I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't want to get anywhere near that that is out there because it might zap me. And people that are far away from God, if I am called to love them, and be kind to them, and to be a part of a pathway that they might be able to make their way to be introduced to a loving God in heaven. In order for me to interact with them, I have to understand them. And so I think people that are far away from God, and, and that might be you. I don't know where you are with your relationship with God, but I think people that are far away from God, uh, they sort of find themselves, uh, there's this kind of continuum. There's, uh, this, they're caught between two things. Uh, on one side, they're caught between a bad religion, and, and then, and, and what is, what's bad religion? What's bad religion? Well, um, bad religion is this idea that uh, God is schizophrenic. You know, God's schizophrenic, right? Because, you know, in some parts of the world, in order to be close to God, God tells you to do, you know, this, right? But you go to another part of the world, and, and then, you know, Buddhists, well, the, the way they get close to God is they'd say, do this. And then you'd talk to a Muslim, and you'd say, well, God doesn't even know what he, and so they, they don't know religion, and so all they know is bad religion, and, and they look around and they say, well, the only religious people I know are hypocrites, you know? Uh, they're, they're homophobic, and they have a lot of hate, and they, they protest things and march against uh, things, and they, uh, they don't get me, and I don't get them, and, and so they're just kind of uh, seeing religion as a, it's all kind of bad religion, and there's money-grubbing Christians, and so they look at religion and say, I know that there's got to be more than this world, but I don't know that religion has the answer, because on the other end of the thing is this, uh, the world is meaningless. You know, in, in science class, they'll tell me that uh, first it starts off there's nothing, but then there's dust uh, particles, and then there's uh, then there's germs or there's bacteria, and then and then there was the big bang, and then and so from nothingness came a somethingness, and and here we are, and so we just live, and then uh, we die, so that's meaningless too, and so people that are far away from God seem to be somewhere on this continuum between uh, well, religion's not really the answer, but there's got to be something more than this. And so they're, they're kind of on here and moving around. And some people try to move in on faith. They say, you know, well, there's got to be something out there. And so and maybe they go in pursuit or searching for God. And maybe where they end up is uh, what Andy Stanley calls, they're looking for bad gods. Or they have bad gods. God's. Now, why do people leave faith, and why do they uh, distance themselves from God? Uh, maybe they believe in bad gods. What's a bad god? Um, here's a list. You can see it there in your bulletin. You can fill that out. And um, one of the one of the bad gods Andy Stanley talks about is he calls it guardrail God guardrail God. They believe in guardrail God. And so, uh, you're going down, uh, uh, you know, you, you ever been to like the Grand Canyon or some scenic thing there, and you know they put up the guardrail. You know, why do they put up the guardrail? Because uh, they think that we're not bright enough to not step over the cliff, right? <laughs> and uh, probably uh, somebody has stepped over the cliff, therefore there is a guardrail, right? It's kind of um, uh, they're there to protect people. They're there, So they put up the guardrail or, and when you're driving across the, you know, the Mississippi Bridge there, there's a big concrete median in between uh, the opposing traffic there so that you don't go over into their lane and they don't go over into your lane. And so these guardrails are there so you don't go off track. And some people believe that guardrail God is this God that won't let anything bad happen to you. You're moving through life, and as long as God is kind of for you and with you, he'll always put up a guardrail so that you don't ever venture into anything that is bad or anything that is wrong in your life. And then when they do end up in a bad place in their life, God must not be real because the guardrails that he put up for me don't work. But God never said, I'm guardrail God. In fact, in the book of John, Chapter 16, verse 33, it was Jesus that said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. You're going to go off track. You're going to be in a place that's very uncomfortable and very difficult. He says, but I'll be with you. I'll be with you. That's what the the God of the Bible says. And so some people kind of put their faith in a a guardrail God, and then they go over the guardrail, and it doesn't work anymore. And so maybe they'll move on, or maybe another kind of God that that they'll put their faith in is on-demand God on-demand, God. He responds to a logical request. Well, God, you know that I need a job. I need employment. The particular job that I'm in right now, it doesn't meet all of the needs. This particular job over here would be better for my family. And so, God, you know, I present my request to you. And on-demand, God, I go up, I sort of put the, uh, the quarter in the slot, and I Pull the thing and and God's going to deliver to me what I I need to have the job. uh, There's somebody that I know or love needs to be healed from something or you need to be protected from something The people in your work environment are mobbing you and that's uncomfortable and so you go to God or you want something. You need God to fix something and so you go to God desperately you go to God wanting him to fix it because you know that you've been living your life one way but God's got all of the answers so so you run to God and on-demand God says, here's my request, now fix it. And then he doesn't fix it. And so you blame God. It's a bad God. There's also warm, fuzzy God, emotional presence in your life, kind of a spiritual high you remember when you first fell in love and you were twitterpated and your, your blood boiled and you could hardly think about anything except uh, those uh, romantic feelings and it was all uh, giggles and, and smiles and you couldn't wait to see them and spend time with them the first time you touched their hand. It's like, wow, and it's overwhelming. And, and you think that the relationship that you have with God is going to be like that and because you remember you went to Bible camp once. And when you were at Bible camp, man, by the end of the week, you were on fire for God and there was nothing better than God. And all you wanted to do is live for God. And then because of the law of diminishing returns and because of synergism, those things just kind of fade away. And here's a fun fact. You are least aware of things that are most constant. You are least aware of things that are most constant. What is the temperature of the room? Yes, I really never thought about it. I have news for you. You are in America oh, yeah the the things the, uh, you are least aware of the things that are most constant. Uh, some of you are students oh, yeah, some of you are retired oh, yeah, you are least aware of the things that are most constant. God loves you. Constantly, never ending, always. We don't always have warm fuzzies, and so some people expect that a relationship as God with God is going to be warm fuzzy God, and it's not. And they think because of that, there's really not a good God. So they focus on bad gods. Another bad God that people focus on is guilt God. He controls you through guilt or fear and everybody knows that if it's any fun whatsoever, God would be against it. You can't have any fun. God's going to shove that one down and put that one away, and it's guilt God. So you just kind of, you know, make sure you're all buttoned up and moving forward and staying straight and, you know, don't don't smile or, you know, don't even let them know you're smiling at that joke that they told that's inappropriate because it's not funny. Even though it's hilarious, I'm not going to laugh at that because, right, because guilt God, guilt God, guilt God. And you, some of you were raised in a home that was like that, right? And you know who guilt God is, and that's a bad God or anti science God. You expect me to believe that there really was a flood, and God just told one little family to get on a boat with all of the animals, and He flooded the entire world, and you expect me to believe that there's no evidence of that whatsoever until you begin to talk to some doctors and some archaeologists and some, uh, what are the people, soil people? What are, that's not archaeologists. Who are the soil people? I can't lose that. And geologists, 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 you talk to geologists around the world and they'll tell you, you know what, there's actually quite a bit of evidence that's out there. and So it's anti-science God. You... You don't really believe that the earth is just 5,000 years old. Everybody knows that uh, the universe is billions and billions and billions of years old. And everybody knows that there's actually not just a universe, but it's the multiverse. And that there are multiple billions of universes. And over enough time and enough space and enough uh, cosmic uh, collisions and all, the life is clearly an accident and it it came about. You're just, uh, God is anti-science and you can't believe in science and God, all Christians are anti-science and anti-science God. After all, you Christians, as soon as there's a pandemic or as soon as your kid gets sick, what do you do? You run to the doctor and you want them to fix you. So you run to science when it's convenient for you, but you know that there's a lot of evidence, a lot of evidence, a lot of evidence, that the things that are in and of this world are intricate and detailed, and the odds of them being an accident are greater than the odds of them being created by a loving God. Well, so who is God? Who is the good God of the Bible, that I, as a Christian, am supposed to uh, sort of help somebody that is far away from God and some parent that might let their child uh, go out of the house in just ways that I, I just don't understand. And so who is this God that God wants me to introduce to people that are far away from God? And God we learn about him in the Bible, and first John chapter four. Verse 8 tells us that God is love. Corinthians tells us that love is patient and love is kind. So the God of the Bible is patient and he is kind. That's who God is. The Bible teaches us in John 4.24 that God is spirit. And what does that mean? He will confront us through the spirit. He will comfort us through the Spirit. And most importantly, the Spirit is truth. He is a kind, patient God that always does what is true. There is truth in God through the Spirit of God. And the Bible also describes God in Matthew 6 26 as the Father. What is a father? A father is a guide, a father is a teacher. And so what is the role of a Christian? The role of a Christian is to introduce people into a God that is patient and kind, that has only truth and wants to be a guide in your life that would lead you back to Him in every area of your life. So as a Christian... When I encounter someone, whether it be as a behind-the-wheel instructor or a street smart car or the neighbor kids that are down the street and they're yelling and screaming, or, or whether it's a person that I encounter at work or the person I encounter in the grocery store, as a Christian, when I encounter someone, I should add value to that person. What does add value mean? It means helping them be closer to a patient, true guide for their life. Help them to get to know God and his son, Jesus Christ. Ask yourself this question. Are they better because they spent time with me? My role is not to judge them. My role is to be a communicator of what God is like for them. Are they better because they spent time with me? Are they closer to God because they spent time with me? Instead of me looking at them through a thick layer of insulation and going, uh, I want them to be looking back at me saying, Hey! Make sense? To use a football analogy. The goal of a football team is to advance the ball down the field. To advance the ball down the field. You want to be picking up a few yards every play so that you can advance the ball down the field. Now, do you get a touchdown every time you get the ball? No. Sometimes you fumble the ball. But the goal is every time you get the ball to move the ball a little bit farther down. And the goal is that you would score touchdowns, that you'd get across the goal line. You keep advancing the ball across the goal or towards the goal. Keep advancing the ball. That's what our life is to be as a Christian. That God is loving, He is patient, He is kind. He wants to be in us through His Spirit. He is truth, He is always truth. And he wants to be a guide in our life. And my job as a Christian is to help people get closer to God through his son, Jesus Christ. Which begs a couple of questions. Question number one. If you are a Christian, who are the people in your world that you need to drop some barriers and look past some behaviors and develop a loving relationship with them in spite of some of the things that you're uncomfortable with. That's a tough call. We are called to be in the world but not of the world, yet we are to reach out to the world. Who are those people in your life that maybe they make you a little crazy? But we are called to be close to them. To be a pathway for them to find God through Jesus, his son. Next question is, do you know God? If you're not a Christian... If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, the question becomes, why would you run from him? Why would you want to move away from a God that loves you, who is patient with you and kind and has truth, all truth, and wants to guide you in your life? He loves you so much that according to John 3.16, he sent his one and only son. And whoever believes in him and accepts him and and the work that he did on the cross paid the price for our sins, doesn't have to worry any more about this life because now he has a Savior that is within him and he only gets to look forward to the next life that will be perfect. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? If you've never been baptized into Jesus Christ, you've never accepted him as Lord and Savior and made God the king and the director of your life, that's a conversation that I'd like to have with you. Anytime, anywhere. We can do it right after service or call me anytime and we can talk about what it is to place your faith into Jesus Christ. Know this, God loves you and he is always good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to draw near to you, to know that you care about us. Father, help us to let go of all of those things that we let get in the way. Help us to draw near to you. We ask it in Jesus' name, and amen.